a very good afternoon. It is Niall Boylan with you for the next hour or so. Lots to get through today. And we do want to talk about a very interesting question a bit later on. Is why do we differentiate between Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers? After all, they're all asylum seekers. They're all refugees, although some have been invited to the country and others haven't. But they are all refugees. They are all allegedly fleeing war or certain danger or death. So should we be treating the same? Because some NGOs have come out to say, why are you doing this? Why are you giving, say, refugees from the Ukraine, why are you giving them lovely modular homes? But you're not giving them to us. We're living in tents. We'll come back to that very shortly. But also, Leo Varadkar has revealed that the government is to create 10,000 more spaces for refugees and refurbished accommodation. Now, this only comes weeks after, of course, the Sunday Business Post poll said that 75% of people said we should stop. But he's motoring on. Mind you, he did put a little caveat in there. And he said that they are deporting them. Well, no, he didn't actually say that. That's a lie. He didn't say they're deporting them. They've been given deportation orders. That's not quite the same thing. And to discuss that with me today is Ben Scallon from Grip Media. And he joins me. Ben, good afternoon to you. And to you too, Niall. Uh, ben, okay, now he's he's kind of, I don't know if he's playing games here, because, I mean, Leo is a good game player anyway, the best of times, right? They're well aware of the Irish people, the majority of Irish people, apart from the loud minority, want to see a change in the way our immigration policy and the way it's handled. He does say that um, over 500 deportation orders have been given out. And his last line was, by the way, he does mention that he said the Taoiseach said that if people arrive here looking for asylum and do not have a good reason, they'll be sent away again. Do you believe him? I mean, it's not whether I believe him or not. The facts don't bear out what he's saying. As we know from a clip from, I think it was 2018, where... Uh, the head of Inish, which is the Irish uh, Immigration Service, Michael Curran, he explicitly said in an Oireachtas committee meeting that uh, people are given deportation orders, as you said, and that when he was asked how many people comply with those orders every single year, he said on camera, uh, well, I can't be precise about how many people leave the state because we don't do exit checks. We yeah, don't they don't, they don't follow it up. They, so, so what they're essentially saying is, they, if they know where you live, they hand you a deportation order or post one out to you and say, listen, unfortunately, you haven't qualified. Uh, you don't get refugee status, so you don't have the right to remain. Please leave the country. And that's it. Really, and, then it? What, and then what happens next is anyone's guess. Exactly. And we know uh, we have proof that there are many people who don't comply with these orders. Uh, I, think I would say, I would I say the vast spoke- majority don't comply, do they, unless they have somewhere else to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, just one perfect example was there was a gentleman who he was an asylum seeker. He claimed to have been from Angola, although when the Irish government asked the Angolan embassy about him, they said they had no knowledge of him. So nobody actually knows where he's from in reality. That was his story. So he was convicted of about seven serious convictions, including sexual assault, assault, false imprisonment, theft. He exposed himself to a couple of teenage girls in Kerry. So a whole string of incredibly serious crimes. He was given a seven-year prison sentence with the last two years suspended on the condition that he leave the country within two weeks of his release. That was the the orders given down by the court. And so uh, I decided a couple of months after that uh, story broke to do a little bit of legwork, look at some rumors on Twitter And I actually found this guy still wandering around Dublin in broad daylight, brazenly, 
without a care in the world a couple of months after he was supposed to leave the country. And I'm not Batman. It's not like I had to go to this <laughs> extremely extensive detective work to find him. If I can find him as basically a random schmuck off the street, then surely the Irish state could have tracked them down with their billions and billions of euros of resources. So the only reason they didn't, and by the way, they eventually did a few months after my report and they jailed him again. But the fact that he was wandering around for months and months freely when he wasn't supposed to be kind of says it all. Well, about and obviously, and obviously a high risk of reoffending because he had so many offences under his belt already. I mean, as you rightly said, it doesn't take a rocket scientist sometimes to work out. Ireland is a small country. Social media is great, of course, for outing people too. But realistically, do, do we have a team or a squad or are my overthinking things here? For example, in the United States, you have ICE who basically go around looking for people who have deportation orders or who shouldn't be legally in the United States. And they will remove you when they find you. Doesn't matter what, you know, what you're doing at the time. You'll be taken out of your job. You'll be taken out of your home, brought to a detention center and put on the next plane back to where you came from. Do we do we have such a team? Evidently not. I mean, if they are, I don't know what they're getting paid for. It seems like the policy is literally just entirely voluntary based on the part of the person who's being convicted, which is as stupid as asking somebody to escort themselves to prison. You know, it's on that Mm. level of absurdity. And that, to me, by the way, is where the government's whole line that they've pushed on this immigration stuff falls flat where they say well look we have international obligations we have to take people it's not up to us we're okay well well, well, let's 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 look at the international obligations because we're in a spot of bother now we have a crisis an accommodation crisis between ukrainian refugees and also asylum seekers seeking international protection we have a crisis we spoke to nigel farage a couple of weeks ago you remember and he told us that basically he has seen a massive increase uh, he reckons more than three times the amount of people as you can see in the videos there, arriving in the uk many of those are not going to stay in the uk that's the first port to call possibly uh, for mainland europe they could be going to other countries and ireland would be one of those countries because you, the uk is not very welcoming at the moment when it comes to refugees. So if that's going to happen and we're going to see that influx coming into Ireland, you know, and and we're essentially saying there's nothing we can do apart from pawn the EU off 1.5 million every now and again, is that what we're going to be doing? Are we going to be paying the EU to, to avoid doing it or are we just going to keep letting them in? Because Leo says they're just going to create 10,000 more spaces for refugees uh, over the next few months. Where are they producing these 10,000 spaces from? There's accommodation. Well, from thin air, and it, it, you know, it occurs to me that the more spaces you create, the more you're incentivizing other people to come. You know, there's a virtually an unlimited amount of people on planet Earth who would love nothing more than to live in a country like Ireland. People who aren't refugees, who aren't fleeing war or persecution, but who just want a better life, as we hear. And while there's nothing wrong with wanting a better life, we all want a better life. If you are telling people and announcing to the world, by the way, we've just created an extra 10,000 places. I don't care if they create an extra 100,000 places. That's just going to incentivize more of what we've seen. And when it comes to the international obligations that the government discusses, first of all, I don't accept that. I mean, Sweden uh, they and, and other countries in Europe do uh, have much more restrictive policies than us. And they're signed up to all the same agreements that we are. So clearly they interpret the law differently uh, and, and that's no problem for them. I mean, uh, the well, the government are suggesting this 1.5 million, by the way, was a donation. They didn't have to pay it. I, I don't believe the minister when he said it was a donation of some description. They didn't have to pay it. It was a fine, wasn't it? 
I mean, uh, whether it was or it wasn't, that's almost more annoying if it was a donation, wasn't it? That, that we're voluntarily giving over millions of euros of the people's money for uh, for no purpose when there's no need to. Uh, it shows more euro europhilia, so far as I'm concerned. But mm. as far as the international obligations go, if that is true, taking the government at their word that we just have absolutely no control over our borders and if people want to rock up, they can and there's nothing the government can do about that. Well, then who who does control our borders if not the government of the country? You know, if, if so are you saying we've lost our sovereignty, government. essentially? Is that what you're saying? We've lost our sovereignty completely. Absolutely. I mean, no, we, if, well, we did. Uh, well, we, we did lose it when we joined the EU, essentially, didn't we? I mean, look what happened between 2008 and 2013 with the Troika. So we did essentially lose our sovereignty. We lost our sovereignty a long time ago when we voted second time round, uh, you know, to, to join the EU. Well, I think I think we should have that debate and we should have that out in the open. I'd love to hear the government admit that. Tell us if because that's effectively what they're telling us by stealth. They, they don't want to come right out and say it. But again, if they, there's two possibilities here, either they ha- the government have control over our borders, in which case they're allowing this to happen against the people's wishes, wishes, which is outrageous. Or two, they don't have control of the borders and it is beyond their control, in which case how is that an acceptable situation that the government of our country has no power to control who comes or goes? Both of those are outrageous and it has to be one of the two. The other thing as well that kind of struck me, um, we have seen on numerous occasions the different ways, some of the NGOs are given out about the different ways that refugees have been treated in Ireland. And um, they talk about, for example, when we see the conditions that asylum seekers with international prote- were seeking international protection, where there was nowhere literally for them to live, and they were living in tents, tents that were burned out, as we'll see on the screen there, at one stage, which was despicable, by the way, for anybody to get involved, that type of violence and activity, uh, no matter what sort of protest you're in. And we use a comparison in the way Ukrainian refugees have been treated in Mahan and Cork, a nice fancy housing estate, uh, beautiful modular homes, and not only beautiful modular homes, but at a very low rent, 16% of your income or your social welfare, whichever you're getting, and also at a flat fee of €40 Euro per month, as far as I know, for all utility bills. Gosh, most Irish people would, would die for something nice like that. I mean, look at the inside. They're like little holiday homes. They're nice. And by the way, I'm not begrudging anybody, but is there a vast difference in the way we're treating two sets of refugees just because of the country they come from? Well, I mean, in fairness to the government, if uh, Integration Minister Roger O'Gorman was here right now, he might argue reasonably that, uh, you know, a lot of the people coming from Ukraine tend to be families, uh, women and children and things of that nature. And that a lot of people who are coming from further afield, as O'Gorman has himself admitted, uh, they are majority uh, single adult males, that they're just a guy from Somalia or a guy from Eritrea or Georgia, wherever it might be showing up and so uh it's a little bit more difficult to accommodate somebody like that because you've got to put them into a room with you know family units can be housed together if if you know if Mm -hmm. it's a mother and her child she can be put in the same room and that's no problem whereas when you're dealing with adult men it's a bit trickier so i'd say there are probably logistical concerns and they might try and justify it on that basis which is not a terrible argument but uh still in all i think um it does show like it does breed resentment that kind of thing both with when it comes to the treatment of homeless Irish people, and many people have made that well, point. They, these videos have created somewhat of resentment because there are many people who are saying, I'd love something like that. 
Why didn't the government show? The, the idea of modular homes was floated about five or six years ago, before the refugees started really coming to Ireland, when we had our own housing crisis at you know, 11,000, 12,000 people in temporary accommodation. And it was poo-pooed at the time. I mean, they're actually lovely. I mean, when people think of modular homes, they think of a caravan in the middle of a field somewhere. But they're, they're gorgeous. They're like little holiday homes. And not only that, the idea, unlike the UK, where in the UK they have said to Ukrainian people when they come to the country, you've got six months, we'll support you for six months. After that point, well, you've got to get a job or you've got to look after yourself like everybody else because we can't continue to support people because, let's be clear about it, that war could go on for years. It could invariably go on for years and people may be here for years and some people may decide not to go back to Ukraine and that's their choice as well because we've invited them. So, realistically, should there be a cut-off point and are we being too generous? I think we are. I mean, the government has admitted themselves that they estimate over half of the people who have come so far will stay ultimately. And while you'd have nothing against people as individuals, um, it's certainly a little bit of a, a raw deal from our perspective that this wasn't the initial agreement. You know, the, the analogy I've used in the past is if a friend of yours or somebody you know falls on hard times and, you know, maybe they're they're evicted from their, uh, you know, place of dwelling and they lose their job or whatever it might be. And you say, here, listen, out of the kindness of my heart, I'll let you crash on my couch for a few months. You can get back on your feet and I'll take care of you. That's a lovely thing to do. It's a humanitarian thing to do. What a wonderful person you are. But if it's 10 years later and that person now has a job, they're earning good money, they're able to support themselves again, and they're still in your downstairs bathroom uh, <laughs> brushing their teeth, you might at a certain point go, here, this wasn't the arrangement. You know what I mean? I wasn't signing up for this exactly at the beginning. And I think uh, when it comes to the Ukraine and the refugee situation, surely a being a refugee is a temporary state. It's you're fleeing a, a crisis which is taking place at a moment in time. And surely the minute that crisis is over, be it, next month or next year, whenever this war ends, we need to start having conversations about people returning to where they came from. And I, 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 I did hear a hotel back. owner, sorry, I did, interrupting, I, I did hear a hotel owner on radio recently saying that she had many refugees staying, Ukrainian refugees staying in the hotel that she owned. And she said, basically, you know, being in a hotel and getting your food for whatever it is, £10 a day, which is all your meals for your family for £10 a day or whatever it is, and, and your accommodation, etc., and a social welfare payment and whatever else you need, it, 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 I suppose it doesn't encourage people to get out there and get a job, even though they have a PPS number. It doesn't encourage them when everything is just being given to you. It doesn't really encourage you to want to do something. And don't get me wrong, you are right with that mate. You want to support them for as long as you possibly can for a reasonable period of time. But as you said already, looking at this war, this could be a proxy war. This could go on for a long time. And you're right, 50% may not even want to return. They have it in their heads now. They're not going back anyway. So realistically, how long more can you continue to do that for? And should we have a cutoff point like the UK of six months where you say, well, look, we've done our bit for you now. Either get a job or you just be treated like everybody else. You can go on social welfare and go on the housing list or whatever it is, just like everybody else. I mean, I'll put it this way, Ukraine before the war. So this is, you know, Ukraine in 2021, before any bombing had taken place, was the single poorest country in Europe. And uh, now God only knows where it stands after, you know, being blown to bits. And God bless the people who are affected by that. Of course, Absolutely. nobody would suggest that, uh, you know, it's not a terrible ordeal they've gone through. But with that being said, you're talking about a country that has tens of millions of citizens it was very poor before. It's probably going to be poorer now. 
And we simply cannot afford to take every single person in Ukraine. I mean, there's people in all kinds of countries all over the world who are less fortunate than ourselves. And while, you know, Ireland gives very generously in foreign aid, I wouldn't be opposed to us giving foreign aid, uh, you know, to help rebuild Ukraine after. Well, but per head of population, we're the most generous nation in the world, I believe, actually, per head of population. Absolutely. We always have been. And we, we've, we've won, we've won, um, I don't know if we've won awards, but we've ranked as one of the most generous countries, if not the most generous country, many years in a row. And that's a wonderful thing, and nobody would say that's a bad thing. But I think if our rule is going to be, uh, you know, that we go to places that are uh, not particularly well off and say, hey, you have an opportunity to come here by the millions or the tens of millions uh, and integrate it to a country that's much richer than yourselves, of course, people are going to, there's going to be a stampede on Europe. And how is that supposed to work practically? What I always say to people is it's not a good thing if uh, out of some kind of misguided sense of compassion, you try to load so many people onto a rescue boat that the boat is overloaded and it sinks and everyone drowns. That's You've not helped anyone in that situation. As much as your heart might bleed for the people and you think, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could fit an extra 10 people on? Yeah, but we can't. And we have to work with facts and reality and not how we wish the world was. And that's the mm. the kind of delusional okay. thinking that will get us into a lot of trouble. Okay, there's two other issues here. One is, I mean, I get people say it on the show all the time, and I mentioned it yesterday, we need to look after our own. And if that line is even suggested, by the way, all of a sudden people turn around and say, oh, that's a racist thing to say. And go, well, no, it's not really. People just believe they are more entitled if they're born and bred in the country. Uh, and by the way, I, I don't blame them for feeling that level of entitlement uh, because people would look at that who are homeless at the moment or on a waiting list. They have nowhere to live. They're living in a, I don't know, some shithole somewhere in a one bed flat with their two kids. And they see this lovely home being given to somebody from the Ukraine. And I'm sure, you know, my heart goes out to them. I'm sure they're quite jealous of that. And I'm sure they obviously begrudge them a little bit, a sense of begrudgery too. And I can imagine, particularly when their bills are almost being paid for them as well. So, but do you think that line, and somebody has suggested yesterday, a former councillor actually was on the air yesterday, and suggested that you should only be in, get these entitlements um, if you are a second generation Irish. I think that was a bit steep. If you're second generation Irish. Do you believe you need to be born and bred here before you're in, you get a, these entitlements? No, no, I mean, I, I think that uh, when we're looking at Irish citizens, um, there are many people who've made a wonderful contribution to this country who aren't, uh, you know, who are first generation immigrants or people who haven't been here for as long as others. Um, I think we need to be looking at a more merit based uh, way of looking at things. But no, I mean, I, I myself, my mother's uh, from Jamaica. She has no uh, historic roots here. My father's a Dublin man. So I am a product of migration uh, in a sense. So uh, no, no, I don't think we need to be going there. But I do think that at least from a civic perspective, if nothing else, Irish citizens should, of course, get prioritization of their, in their own country. If, if being an Irish citizen doesn't convert any benefits on you in Ireland, then uh, I don't know what, what citizenship even means. And by the way, when, when I say that, I don't think the government should be handing out citizenship like sweets either. I think... Well, that, well, that, well that's been happening. But, but I mean, Simon Coveney, going back some years ago, said Ireland could withstand a population of 10 million people. And by the way, I wouldn't disagree with him from a geographical point of view and an economical point of view. I think that would be very good for Ireland. We did have a population of over 10 million uh, going back before the famine. But in saying that, 
what is the point in having, you know, a, a larger population, increasing the population, which is what we're doing at the moment, exponentially, with people with the best of respect, or there is respect to them, many of them who are not skilled workers. So, you know, I'm not saying they won't get jobs. They will. But most likely low-paying jobs. So ended up being supported by the state. Uh, we already have a substantial percentage of the population on low-paying jobs who have to be supported by the state and taxpayers. I mean, do we want to extend that? Or should we be extending the population by to the, the normal visa process, which, he, by the way, he's trying to reduce the criteria on that as well, uh, to the normal visa process where we're getting people in who are skilled workers you know, in the health service or wherever it happens to be? I, I think it goes uh, beyond economics in a certain sense. I think just from a purely cultural perspective and what Ireland is as a nation, uh, you know, I think uh, a great example of this is there's a there's a guy I know, he's a friend of mine from China, full-blooded Chinese. He came here when he was uh, studying uh, for university. He's made a real effort to learn Irish. Uh, he, he, he studies Gaelic. He knows more about Irish history than me. I was walking through. Probably me uh, too. Yeah. Amazing. This guy has an encyclopedic knowledge. We were walking by and he was telling me about, you know, things Patrick Pierce had done and naming Irish rebels and anecdotes from Irish history. And he's got this really deep, passionate love of Ireland. And when I look at that, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who the Irish state is willing to hand out citizenship to who know nothing about Ireland, aren't interested in learning anything about Ireland. And I just think that our citizen, our test for citizenship should be a lot higher than just an economic consideration about, you know, what qualifications you have or that's important too. But I think, you know, we want people to come here who actually like our country and who like our culture. But there is, there is a criteria. But there is a, is about. but there is a criteria for getting citizenship. I remember looking some time ago and it was on citizens' information. And firstly, you may you, you should in the last five years you can't have been on a social welfare payment. In other words, you can't have been a burden on the state in the last five years. I don't think that's applying at the moment currently to citizenship in this country because I see people all the time getting citizenship and I'm absolutely sure uh, that they've only been in the country in very recent times. So I, I, I don't believe that we're actually applying the rules when it comes to citizenship. Uh, finally, uh, I noticed in Grip Media yesterday an interesting article about affirmative action. Now, affirmative action, for those who don't know, they've tried it out in America many, many years ago. It didn't work, although still, they still use it as, in universities. Um, affirmative action in politics I mean, do you believe that we should have quotas in politics for, you know, uh, people who are former asylum seekers, for example, or people from the traveling community or people who just happen? They, they, there was a mention actually in the meeting of not enough black people. Um, do you believe that we should have affirmative action in Ireland? We already have gender quotas in politics of 30 percent for women. Do you believe it works and do you believe it makes a difference because they have to be represented? Affirmative action is uh, legalized discrimination. I couldn't be more opposed to it. Uh, and and I think a, an easy way to understand this, you know, it's it's generally silly. You know, when you're when you're I think it's based on the premise when when you embrace affirmative action, what you're saying is Ireland or America or whatever country you're talking about is a horribly bigoted, racist, sexist country, homophobic, transphobic, whatever kind of uh, label you want to throw on it. And so we need to force people to hire a black person or a woman or whoever it might be because they wouldn't ordinarily do it. It's it, In fact, most people, I think, should actually take it as an insult when somebody proposes that. But, I mean, but they're doing they're it. Acting. I mean, they're, they're doing it in the UK. Sadi Khan, for example, the mayor of London, recently put an advert out looking for three interns and it more or less out of the advertising, white people shouldn't apply. 
because I think, were... uh, the the RAF, the the British Royal Air Force, had a similar policy where they said they don't want any white men to apply for certain positions and so on. And I mean, as I mean, that's obviously discrimination. It's obviously seriously morally wrong. It's insulting because again, it's 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 what they're implying with that is if you were a black man or from another group part of the world and you applied and you were perfectly qualified, they'd go, oh, no, we're not going to hire this person because they're uh, an ethnic minority or because they're a woman, which is total nonsense. Nobody thinks that way in the West. We're one of the most tolerant parts of the world imaginable. So it's it's insulting. It's immoral. And apart from anything, it's dangerous. You know, in a lot of these cases, it's silly when you see it in universities and you scoff and you say, what a lot of nonsense. But what if the pilot of your plane has been selected not on the basis of his skill and the fact that he was really good at flying planes, but on the basis that they needed to get their numbers up and he's a... And the colour of his skin, well, the colour of his skin, yes. Arbitrary groups or your surgeon. You're about to go into heart surgery. And, I mean, take let's take controversial issues like race and sex and things like that out of it. You know, let's say they said we, we, we need more left-handed people flying planes. And so even though this guy got more points than this guy in his exam, we're going to let the guy with the le- worst results become a pilot because he he's left-handed and we need more left-handed people. A, you'd say that's stupid and unnecessary. And B, it's dangerous because we want the best guy. Well, 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 yeah, but their argument is, is, well, we need to give the left-handed people a leg up because they haven't really been doing well in society. So we need to give them a little bit of a leg up until we get the balance right and then we can stop doing it. Uh, it wasn't that the argument in America back in the 80s when affirmative action came in first, which failed miserably, by the way. But it all then leads down to one single question. And I'll ask you the question, and I'm not too sure how you'll answer it is, but do you believe there's any examples in the world of where multiculturalism works and works well? No, I don't think so. I think, I think that uh, as far as culture goes, and culture is, of course, an idea, it's a set of customs and beliefs, uh, and anybody can adhere to those beliefs, but I don't think that multiculturalism has ever worked anywhere, uh, and I don't think it ever will. It's a, it's a, it's wrong to to fragment a society and to have, you know, the Polish area of Ireland and the, uh, you know, the I- Irish area and the Indian area and so on. I think that's it's divisive. Well, people tend to stay together. I mean, you look, the Irish did it in America. They went to Chicago and stayed on the West Side. The same with the Irish in Brooklyn and New York. They lived in communities together. So they've done it all over the world. The Irish themselves have done it all over the world. So people tend to stay in their own communities, don't they? You, you could you could argue that created a lot of problems in those parts of the world. I mean, the, the ghettoization and the, the fact that people tend uh, to, as you say, kind of uh, group together with other people who are similar mm. to them, which is an understandable human instinct. Pretty much everybody does it. But, uh, yeah, no, you you want a society where we all share a similar culture um, and we all value the same things. We all share the same ideas on the, the important matters. Of course, we can disagree on politics or whatever it might be. That When it comes down to it, we all say, we like Ireland. Ireland's a good country. We like Ireland's history. And uh, if we just have everybody isolating themselves and creating their own little pockets of this culture and that culture, that's a recipe for division okay. and disaster. And no, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, be more uh, about fi- that. Finally, just before you go, Ben, and thank you very much indeed for joining us today and for staying as long as you did. By the way, I noticed on your Twitter account yesterday you had a new video to put up, but you said it was so entertaining when you were editing it that you were looking forward to putting it up. Any clues as to what it is on Gripped Media that we'll be seeing next? What entertaining video of which politician? 
so so uh, I'm putting it out tomorrow actually, and it's uh, it's I, I won't get into exactly what it is, but um, it relates to the government's international obligations and uh, how much okay. they talk about that. I'm giggling to myself. Do we know who it is? Is it Leo? Is it Leo? It's it's actually everyone. So all oh, right, okay, uh, it'll, okay. It'll be... And were they were they like the rabbit in the headlights again? <laughs> When you oh, said, well, it wasn't a press event. But oh, it, it wasn't it was a press still, event. Okay. It was still fun. You'll, you'll enjoy <laughs> All it. Right. Okay. Listen, Ben, thank you very much indeed. Ben Scallon, Grip Media, and I thank you for joining us today. All right. Now, we want to get your calls, by the way, and your texts and your comments. So please comment if you want to. It's 85 And I want to focus on that one question. And the question we ask is, is, is it fair to differentiate the way we treat asylum seekers and refugees from Ukraine? We've seen the way they're treated. We've seen the tents. They're not given to Ukrainians. We have seen people put into these kind of situations where there's cubicles and hotel rooms or whatever it is. They're generally not Ukrainians. So what's happening is people are being treated differently. And by the way, I'm some Irish people are not very happy, by the way, when they see these wonderful modular homes in Mahan and Cork. Uh, and, you know, and a good deal, by the way, of those, I'm just reading about them. So if you get one of these homes, which are worth about 145000 that's not including the land they sit on, by the way. You get it for 16% of your income. So if you're getting a payment from the state and you're not actually working, have a look at them there. They're fabulous looking. You get a 16% uh, payment or you have to pay 16% of your income. So if you're getting a payment from the state, 16% of that. And then a flat rate of €40. Euro, I'm assuming that's a monthly charge. That's for all your utilities. Jeez, I wouldn't mind paying 40 euro for all my utilities every month. I'll show my, my electricity bill alone is probably about 400 quid a month. So I wouldn't mind 40 quid for my utilities. Now, I don't know whether that's a week or a month, but either way, it's cheap. All right. And um, it'll all be administered by the approved housing body that is appointed to manage the properties. There's also been a suggestion by some politicians that if they do, if Ukrainian people want to go home when this is over, they can bring the house with them that we'll actually pay to move it back to Ukraine. Now, I understand the point of that because a lot of the houses in Ukraine, people's houses would have been blown to bits. So I understand the point of that. We're just being very generous. But other people are saying, well, hold on. Could you not just leave it there and give it to somebody else? We have a housing crisis in this country. Anyway, do you believe it's fair that we differentiate? Let me know what you think. The number is 085-122-55. That's 085-122-55. Let me go to Tony. Tony, how are you doing? Hello, Noel. How are you today? Good, Tony. I, I'm looking at the background there. I have to say those houses look wonderful, don't they? They're fantastic, aren't they? Just where the people keep their right arm to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you reckon, and then Tony? There's someone being prosecuted, and then there's someone being prosecuted somewhere uh, uh, just by the council for putting a log tap in the backyard. Oh, that's, back that's what that was mentioned, Jesse. But, but, Tony, is it fair that no. we differentiate between two sets of, essentially, refugees? Now, you know, the no, people... No, but, not refugees. No, if someone's from, from Ukraine, it's their plain and simple in front of you. They are refugees. They are refugees, and they've been more... Well, that's only because we hear about there. it on the... Well, that's only because we're hearing about it on the news all the time. Right, now, there's lots coming here from Europe by the hundreds, by the thousands. Yes. And they're not being questioned. There's no questions being asked of them whatsoever, and they're being put up... They're giving PPS numbers, they're giving social welfare. Well, I, I don't know. Oh, no, now, with the greatest respect, they're not giving PPS numbers immediately. And they're not. And if you're coming for international protection, you don't get a PPS number immediately. All right. And, no, and, no, you, then and you don't get social welfare. You get a payment. Yeah, 
It's not social welfare. Right, that's fair enough. Like, yeah. What are they living on? Well, they get their accommodation, they get their food, and they get a payment, a weekly payment as an international oh. tax, of 20-something, you're 29 euro or 30 euro, whatever it is. Oh, I can't for the life of me say that how these lads are living on. Well, I know. Well, I, 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 yeah, it, it, do, it is quite surprising. I can't for the life of me. Well, yes, and the same thing, Noel, is what's really irking people is, is it's just like there were statements put out, there was leases printed, and there were Twitter pages filled up last year but just like with Roderick O'Gorman saying to people in all different languages come to Ireland and you'll have your own door accommodation he's never been held accountable in fact I've never even seen him being questioned about it well it's an impossibility that they will have their own door accommodation right at this moment in time Uh, that was was pie in the sky material well, he hasn't been questioned about Well, that was thought. a report, that was a Green Book report that was done uh, for Roderick O'Gorman and he commissioned that particular report and the whole idea of that was to get rid of direct provision, which a lot of people believe is probably a good idea anyway, and that we should be processing people quicker. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, we should be processing people quicker, but it's not happening, it's going to go on longer and longer, or else it is just going to be a course read. yeah, okay, and your pastor, okay. And it's not, no, it's, it's very, very unfair on Irish people. Like, there's young Irish people, and the only way they can say is stopping this country and just leaving this country for a field trip for themselves. And that's extremely unfair. It's extremely unfair on the parents, and it's extremely unfair on the kids themselves. I, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is unfair on people when they see no future in the country, when their own children see no future in the country. And I, and I do, by the way... A lot of people are saying, oh, it's racist to give out about Ukrainians getting those modular homes. But, I mean, if you're on the housing list and you're living in Cork, near Mahan in Cork, and you've been on the housing list for some time and you're living in a dump with your two kids or something like that, a small, you know, one-bed apartment, I could understand why you'd be pissed off. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and still, but there's no one held accountable for it. There's no one that's asked the questions. Hold on. Uh, but just like, here's Sinead or here's Carl. He's on the house in this the last 12 years. He has two kids. He's living in a room somewhere that's full of moles. Uh, but just like, why didn't he get one of these modular homes? The questions are not asked because the Irish media don't ask. It's just like the politicians, like when they see, uh, but just like the previous speaker, Ben Scallon, they shit themselves when they see him because he's going to ask questions that the rest of the mainstream media won't ask. Okay, all right. Let me let me go to Bernie. Thank you for that, Tony. Let me go to Bernie as well. How you doing, Bernie? Hi, hi, Niall. How are you? Good, Bernie. I, I know he's right. Actually, the politicians do shit themselves when they see Ben Scallon from Grip Media. Uh, but I mean, do we differentiate in the way we're treating people? Like, yeah, we do. But the thing is, is I don't believe that all these people coming in are actually refugees. Like. As you said yesterday, like Ukraine is such a massive country that they have loads of places that they could actually seek refuge, right? That's and the size, geographically the size of I France, yeah. But the fact that our government came out and said, come on over here, like we're going to put you up. And like, you see how they they begged and begged people to house them, you know, when, when all the hotels and stuff was filled up and they were like throwing money at the Irish people going, please, if you have a spare room. There's none of that anymore. The, the cameras were all up at Dublin Airport there. Uh, video on the Ukraine's coming in. And when they all came in, that was it. There's, there's no more. You don't see any of them coming in. Well, the, well, like, they, are, well okay. they are still coming in, Bertie. But, but they're saying that they're coming in. But have you seen any? No. I haven't seen any. There's no media up at the airport anymore. Yes, um, I, think, I just think for, I think for the media, the novelty factor is worn off. You know what I mean? 
Um, so, well, has it though? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, well I, I, no, I do believe that there are, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are, it's a massive increase in people coming here as asylum seekers. There's no doubt about that. And there's a massive increase in people lying coming into this country, pretending they're from the Ukraine. Um, but in saying that, there is still Ukrainian refugees coming to Ireland. Because every day, every day that situation in Ukraine changes and different parts of Ukraine are affected mainly, as we all know, on the, the, the southern eastern part of Ukraine. But, but, but Niall, like everyone on Twitter, or not Twitter, on like TikTok, like everyone has a phone and video and like anything that happens on the streets. You don't see any, I don't see any footage from Ukraine of bombs going off. Oh, well, I have. No, I, I mean, no, I've seen both. Barely, and I, I agree with you. I've seen, I've seen parts of Ukraine where life is just carrying on as normal, you know, and they're even still selling holidays and weekends away. But I've seen parts of the Ukraine which are blown to bits. And they are. You, I, I mean, you can't deny that. Well, you see this, this whole AI stuff ramped up now. Like, that can, like all the footage that, that you're shown would actually be just fake. Uh, yeah, it, it could, but it's not, Bernie. There are people dying. Um, but by the way, can I say on both sides, there's young Russian soldiers who are being killed as well, being sent to war and sent to invade. So there, there are people being killed on both sides, but there are people being killed. There are houses being bombed. You we're can believe, you can believe what hearing, you want about that. We're not hearing of all the Ukrainians that are here. No one is saying, "Oh my God, my granny's after been," you know. Uh, they did. I, 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 I listen. I know I did. Actually, I was, I was at an audience one night with Ukrainian people, and a lot of them did tell stories of, you know, their towns and they're leaving their mother behind, and their brother was killed. And I have heard those stories. Say, they're getting everything for free. They're getting put up. Yes, yeah, sob stories. Well, you're not seeing like any like raw footage of of any casualties. You're seeing a blown up building. The amount of money that the Red Cross has raised sent over to Ukraine. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, I, I, I don't trust some organizations because I think most of the money goes into the CEO's pockets. But here you go. Getting back to, to what you're talking about, I have seen footage of dead bodies on the ground. I have seen that type of footage. Be it both Russian people, or Russian soldiers, and Ukrainians. I've seen the footage. Bernie, we're not going to get into a situation where we're denying there's something happening. I'm not going to disagree with you that it's not affecting the whole country. Of course it's not. Yeah. But 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 in saying that, it is happening. And sadly, it could go on for a long, long time, by the way. I don't think it's ever going to be resolved. I can't see a resolve for it, sadly. But getting back to the original question, is it fair that we treat... Because say somebody's coming from Afghanistan or Syria. They're also coming from a war. It's not one that's on the television every night, but it's also a war. And their lives are in danger. Is it fair that we treat them differently to somebody coming from the Ukraine? Um, I think they should be treated all the same and like fecked out of the country because I just don't believe in it. You can't just feck everybody out of the country, Bernie. We have to, I mean, does, I mean, I think most most people would say if somebody is genuine and needs our support and is coming from certain death, we should be helping them. But if they're not, we, they, you're right, they should be sent back to where they came from. Yeah, but they're not. Like, this is, this is the free-for-all now for Ireland, for anyone that's not born in this country is, come on in here, you'll be looked after, the Irish won't. ทุบทุบทิศไลค์อิทซอสอิทดิซอมูชออฟดิสอิชูดาไอวูดลอฟทูทอลคมอร์เบลไลค์คือเอเวอร์ทิงอิชูดาอิมจัสโซแองกรี
okay. atrocious, like, and that's uh, why we're so angry. Okay, Bernie, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Let me just go to Melissa. Melissa, how you doing? You're on the Nile Bottom podcast. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? Um, nice to talk to you again, Melissa. I, Melissa, okay, just uh, if I could stick to the question just, we have today. Yeah, get back to the question. Yeah, yeah. the question is, um, is it fair I'm to differentiate? I'm going to have to bring you back to 2015. So in 2015, we had, we signed up the migration pact voluntarily. We didn't have to. And at that stage, it was Syrian families that were coming in. That's right. And at that stage, they were coming, we were told from camps in Germany that they were in for two years. They were brought to centres down around Kerry. They were moved around the country. We would have got four families, which consisted of 24 people. They don't tell you that. They always mess with the numbers. And um, they would have got turnkey, four-bedroom houses, fully fitted, and cars outside their door, English lessons, driving lessons, you name it, they got it. So when we're talking about the difference between the Syrians, were they not treated differently than the Ukrainians are now? They were. Well, there wasn't, well in fairness, there wasn't, there wasn't as many. As many. No, well, there was only, I think there was, a, I think there was 400. We had 4,000 in 2015. Was we, that including we, family reunification? Um, it would have been, yes. yes. okay. With the extras coming in, because yeah. their families could come in after. Yeah, well, now we're dealing um, with 100,000, so it's a bit of a difference. Exactly. So, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't be as generous this time. So. Yeah. yeah, so in 2017, we'd... I'm just going to call out the numbers here, too, because this is very, very important. 2019, we took in 7,000. 2020, 9,000. 2021, 9,500. At the moment, we had 13,000 applications waiting, and that was in 2022. So that's 186% increase going into 2019. At this minute, only 35% rate of success on applications. There's 5% wandering the country that shouldn't be here at all. Now, well, well, according, well, according to, to Leo Varadkar, only yesterday, he did say, um, I'm looking for the actual number here, it was a little bit over 500, mm-hmm. he mentioned people who had deportation 5, orders, who had been 5, given 000. deportation orders. Now, we've mm-hmm. heard from Ben Scallon already, that mentioned when you get a deportation order, you're not you know, carted off to you're the airport. You let yourself out the door. Yeah, oh, yeah, I said this in 2019, public. It was literally, there's your, they arrived, they get the paper and say, let yourself out. That's what they were doing in 2019. And when they were asked how yes. many of those people actually did leave, they, they said they don't know. No They've never followed There's it up. There's no checks. Exactly. So the EU, this migration plan that we voluntarily went into in 2015, this is the reason why they we're paying the 1.5 million, by the way, because we breached that pact. This is where we are at the yeah. minute, yeah. So they brought five new legislation proposals forward to that voluntary that we went into. So you'll hear like Desi Ellis and all them and they're all caught on camera. We have an obligation. No, we did not. They went out there and they signed us up voluntarily again to the 2020 new legislation, which is where we have to pay because we... Because we can't accommodate them, yes. Yes, and the commission came at us then. They flew in here to Dublin. That's why they were here last February, pretending to be here for the 50 years celebration, which wasn't until March, of us being in the EU. They signed us off again into the where we have to pay for them to go back because our legislation with them was too loose for them. They had to tighten it up. And that's where we are today. That's why they're not sending them back because it's costing, going to have to cost them 20000 a person. Well, yeah, but, but let's be clear. They also do get money from the EU. 
So, the, the, uh, although it costs the Irish state billions uh, to host refugees, uh, absolutely, taxpayers' money, uh, they do get some money from the EU as well towards Yes, that. we sign up to the pact. We signed up again in February till 2027. So you can expect this till 2027. Well, I mean, can we deal with that in 2027? Because I said, as I said earlier on to Ben, I spoke to Nigel Farage only two weeks ago, and he said the numbers that they released a report last week in Britain, and the numbers have basically tripled in the last year of people arriving on boats you know, in Cornwall exactly. and all sorts of places down at the, the coast and of the I UK. And I have reports here from Garda headquarters, Niall, and Ireland has become the primary, this is, quote, the primary route for illegal migration um, to Britain through Ireland. We are this gateway. We're literally an open gateway now for the world. Literally. And if we don't well, take the money, they have signed in for the funding, the certain amount of funding, Mm. That's like the little migration bank, as I call it. And that money that we're talking about goes to IPAS. That money doesn't go to our local county councils that are all involved instead of looking after this country and our community. Well, I, well, I did see every a report corner. recently from every county council looking for a few quid from the state for integration. Okay. So I, so the state are giving county councils money to, you know, put there events on and help with integration. And they didn't take on staff. There's no extra mm. staff. I worked in council. They were understaffed from 2014 to 2019. Understaffed in every department. So even if they get the money, they have no staff to actually do anything with it. Exactly. (laughs) So what's happening there? Everything else is falling down that they should be doing. Their job as a local council to local community. Community has been forgotten. We are like ants under the... But I'm assuming, Melissa, you don't disagree with supporting and helping people who are genuinely coming from wars. I think we've done enough. Okay. To be honest, we're sending the money out to these war. Okay, so as far as you're concerned, just let it, it should just stop now. Stop. (laughs) We should just stop now and deal with what we have here. And then come back to it in a year's time, maybe if we feel we can let more people in. Maybe. Because they're going to keep creating wars. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, well, well, wars will never stop, unfortunately, in this world. Stay there, Melissa. We'll stay there. Uh, Connor, how are you doing? You're on the Loud Boiling Podcast. How are you doing, Connor? Connor, what do you want to say? Uh, your phone line is very bad, Connor. Maybe you could move slightly into a different area or something like that. Or yeah, one second now. Ah, uh, that's a bit better. Go ahead. Yeah, go. Uh, do you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with uh, Melissa. I see definitely, definitely. You know, my uh, perspective on it definitely. Ireland, Ireland wasn't prepared for this, but no. I mean, I don't know. Like you know, you, you saw you saw direct provision there for years when when we didn't have a refugee crisis, we'd leave people lingering there for years upon years. But well, it wasn't. Oh, hang on, with the greatest respect, made, Connor. You know? Connor, with the greatest respect, it wasn't that we were leaving them there. The problem was the system failed people, and people took advantage of a bad system. So, in other words, people were being assessed within a year, and they didn't accept the decision, so they'd appeal it, appeal it again, appeal it again, go into a high court and appeal it again. And and that's why people ended up for 10 years in direct provision. Absolutely. But, I mean, that is really their fault. Uh, No, it's not their system. To appeal it and appeal it and appeal it. Surely... Surely it's our fault. No, it is. You're right. It is our fault. We should have a streamlined Uh, system that operates properly. And if somebody is genuine, there you go, red carpet, let's look after you. And if somebody's not genuine, I'm sorry, you have to go back where you came from. And I I think that's a fair system that operates in most countries except Ireland at the moment. 
Um, exactly, exactly. That's uh, but okay. But the other the other question I asked Melissa yeah. just before I come to Linda, the, the other question I asked Melissa, and the question we're asking today is: Is it fair to differentiate? Because we can clearly see the difference in the way we treat people from Ukraine and the way we're treating people seeking international protection, you know, and the accommodation that we're giving them. In other words, we get a nice modular home, hopefully, if you're from Ukraine or a nice somewhere nice to stay. But if you're seeking international protection, you'd be lucky to get a tent. Of course, yeah. No, no, you did mention earlier, of course, there, there are people come from Afghanistan and Syria and mm. I mean they come from war absolutely genuine as well yeah and in fairness i don't know what bernie was going on about saying saying about ukraine it's a setup or something oh, i don't ukraine know no, I don't. I, whatever absolutely other stuff she was wrecked. saying i didn't agree with that at all of course it is of course yeah it is. absolutely but i mean it is a pity if you think and if you think the military aid that the americans have given ukraine equivalent 130 billion wouldn't it have been lovely now if the Americans came along and gave the $130 billion for development to Ukraine? Well, I, I tell you what, over the next, I think over the next three or four days, there's going to be a lot of skeletons crawling out of closets in relation, to, in relation to money that's gone to the American government, and in particular to Joe Biden. Oh, well, you know, no, absolutely good. Good with, with Boris and Hunter. Unfortunately, we're there. We're there to wait carpet out for Hunter and Biden. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> two chancers. Two chancers. Do we have any pride? Oh, no, no problem at all. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll stay there just for a second if you can. Um, let me just go to yep. Linda as well. How are you doing, Linda? Hi, Niall. How are you doing? You're on the Niall and podcast, Linda. What do, you, what do you think? Well, I think there's too many people coming into Ireland. Can't look after their own. And uh, they're all jumping on the bandwagon. Half of them isn't even from war-torn countries. Well, some of them are not, no. You're right. No, some of them are not. And they can walk in here with no passport and just swan in. And my son is waiting 16 weeks on his passport. And he keeps ringing up. You had it on a while ago last year. I think you had it on about... That's right, about how long it was taken, yeah. Yeah, and these people can walk around the place with no passport. No, I mean, if you get a dog, if if you get a dog, you get fed. Can you, can you look after the dog? And these people are walking around the place like... Won't even get... Not all of them. Some of them won't even get out of your way when you're walking by. Gangs of them standing on the path. They're trying to get by with a buggy and that, and they're just... just and what do, you, and what? do you feel intimidated? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, a lot of women feel it. Mm. Yeah, you, yeah, I mean, I don't... Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've, you've often felt intimidated when there's a bunch of Irish fellas standing on a corner, but in, but in saying that... I, I, I would. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, Linda, Linda, can I ask you a question? Would you ha- do you have issue with genuine asylum seekers? Now, when I say people who are genuine, you come and say from Syria, Afghanistan, no, places where their lives no, would be in danger. No, but I mean, it seems to be the special Ukraine thing all the time. Thousands of Irish people waiting on houses as well, in apartments, and sleeping rough. Why don't you show them on the television? You don't show them on RTA. It's all hidden, hidden agenda all the time. They only tell you what they want to tell you. You know what I mean? And do you think that rubs people up the wrong way then? Of course it does, yeah. Of course it does. Mm. Yeah. I walk I walk in the supermarket and gangs of them walk in and they can't look at them all. And they're standing all around the chair and like really feel intimidated. You know what I mean? Mm. And and has, I, but has anything like, ever happened to you? Has anything ever happened to you? No. Yeah, Thankfully. but I wouldn't discuss it on the radio. Oh, okay. Yeah, the okay. car got wrecked. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Because I wouldn't serve someone alcohol. And I didn't even understand what you were saying. Car got keyed, a brand new car keyed all around. 
because you, because you wouldn't serve them alcohol. Yeah. Right. Yeah, kids. Okay. And I couldn't even understand what you were saying. You know what I mean? But this country is full, full to the brim. I mean, you are homeless tonight yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and when you, when you, say, the, the when you say the country is full, realistically, the country's never full. But there's a limit to what, well, you, can, what you can do in a short space of time. Of course. And when you can't house your own people that walked here generation after generation and you have to go out and slug your guts off, living in one little room with four kids, friend of mine does it, mm. and you can't get a house shut the house in 15 years, her husband's living in one room. 15 years waiting on the place. Not even one offer. Not even an offer for an apartment anywhere. And these people can walk in and get apartments left, right and centre. The Irish is put on the, the end of the list as usual. But a laughing stock of the world we are, this country. You just accept it. And that's it. Have you seen, have you seen the marginal homes? By the way, you don't, I'm assuming you don't wish any badness towards the individuals. They're just taking advantage of a system. But I mean... The, the marginal homes, I know a lot of people in Cork have contacted us who've been on the housing list a long time and living in bad conditions and saying that they feel oh. really hard done by, that they've been on the list for five or six years or ten years and they'd love one of those marginal homes, but they haven't got one. Of course one. you take one, yeah. Well, why should they, these people get preference over everybody else? Like, the country wouldn't be the way it is, only for all the walkers in Ireland that walked that ass off for years and years. Mm. Through generations and generations walked all my family all walked. Do you know what I mean? We bought a house. We were lucky to buy houses years ago. But the kids now have not got a chance. They haven't got a chance. And then these people are getting modular homes left, right and centre. It's wrong. It's, it's very, very wrong. And like the Irish people are just laughing, sitting back. Feck you, Jack. I'm all right. And that's the attitude that always was and always will be. But I tell you now, there won't be a lot of them living on the south side, Windy Harbour and all up that way. Yeah. But you won't, see, you won't see refugee accommodation in Shrewsbury Road, that's for sure. No, exactly, yeah. No, 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 exactly. They, they, no they, it's easy to put it into a working class area like, say, Inglis or Ballyfermot or Ballymun or whatever it is. Yeah. Because the people will just get over it eventually. Yeah, well, I live in North County Dublin and I wouldn't even discuss what's going on up there. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, gangs and walking up, robbing left, right and centre. Now, I don't know who they are. Do you know what I mean? But they're certainly not Irish. Because I chased two of them out of my yard. And, have you, and if they're up to no good, have you reported them to the police? I did. And what I was, did. What and was the response? Waiting. I was told there's no cars in the area. Oh, that's not <laughs> unusual for swords or that area, by the way. I think they've only got two cars. Yeah, so that wouldn't be yeah, unusual. Yeah, well, I'm way beyond swords. I'm out with the sticks. But, oh, right. Um, there's no cars. But if you're driving down the road with no tax now, they'd stop you quick enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, if you're North County Dublin, you're probably relying on swords guard station anyway, are you? Because there probably isn't yeah, another guard station. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Thanks for that, Linda. Melissa, that's, that's kind of. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks. That's awful, Melissa, isn't it? I suppose to be in that situation. You know what I mean? Where you, you feel intimidated, whether it's warranted or not, I don't know, but you feel intimidated with gangs of. Well, it would have happened in my own hometown, EC. Um, international migrants were brought in, all men. And they had, there was only three bars, one shop, and they were barred out of all. There was fights, there was guards. Right. There was. Um, the graveyard in our local park is completely taken over. Um, that was last October. I did a public meeting down there to bring the... No one knew, not even the local community council. No one was told. It was the same with the Syrians. We were told to, to Ferrybank here in Washford um, as a councillor, three days' notice. So all I've looked into all the IPES and all the rules and regulations of this, um, what's called EU relocation, resettlement, integration. 
is the biggest part of it. Communities and integration. That has never been done here. Never. No, there's there no there's no point in piling everybody into the one place. I mean, you should be separating Absolutely. people, shouldn't you? But for integration, uh, for it it's not existing. No. There's no integration here. And like, no. I, I'm, but, you, but you see what people who naturally come here. I mean, but should the, I mentioned earlier on to Ben, the Irish did that too when they went abroad, didn't they? The Irish kind of stuck to pockets of New York and Brooklyn and Chicago. Well, yeah, like out in Yonks and all those areas would have been all the Irish and yeah. Yonkers and all that. Have, you know, we've seen that. But a lot of them, I know when the Syrians came and they put all the families together and all the families thought, they said they didn't want to be together. We had a family that got a brand new turnkey um, four-bedroom house and the brother was next door and um, they didn't they didn't get on and they wanted to be moved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brand new house. You should have seen it. I'd have loved it myself. I know. But, um, I, I was looking at the modular homes there, by the way. <laughs> they, they're actually really nice. Um, <laughs> they look fabulous. Yeah. And, by the point. way, I believe local councillors have said when, if the war ends uh, in the next year and people are going back to Ukraine because maybe 50% will go back, that the government are going to pay to move the modular homes back to Ukraine. Now, I do understand the sentiment in that because maybe their houses have been destroyed in a war. Um, but look at why would you not just give it to somebody who needs us? Outside of this country. For children that never even step foot in this country. And the money is going out for children's allowance. Yeah, but I was thinking, would you not just leave the modular home there and just give it to someone who needs it? Rather than Absolutely. Sit, how, much is that, how much is it going to cost to pack a ship it off to the Ukraine? I God only knows. I would say, would say there, Melissa, let me that's just get to... Our land, that's public land, belong to the Irish people. They're, well, they're only custodians of that land. That's public land that well, no. they're on. Well it's, <laughs> well, it's social housing, essentially. Well, stay there for a second. Let me just go to Kevin. Well, well hang on. i, I got to go to Joe as well. i got to go to um, Kevin. Is it, or John. John, I think. Yeah, John, how are you doing? How are you doing? John, uh, now, tell me about the direct provision centres or the centre. Well, we have one here in Carlow, and the two that's renowned around Carlow, I think it's the talk of the town, where the two uh, directors or partners bought two brand new electric courses. Like the ordinary one wouldn't be quite good enough. Oh, the electric ones are nicer, yeah, I know. And they're a lot more expensive. Um, like that's in your like that's that's very much in your face because there's an element of people like profiting very much. Of course from all there the is. Refugees. But uh, but uh, the government only announced last week that they're now going to allow um old folks' homes or nursing homes to be used to accommodate refugees. Oh, uh, so that's but a much more lucrative where market. The, where the insult, you're, you're emphasising the, the Ukrainian problem, and I commend you on being very impartial on what's a hugely difficult subject. Uh, rather not mention it, but not too far away from here, a nursing home was taken over by specifically Ukrainian refugees. This is actually like a high-end garage. Like, these are top-end cars, all Ukrainian red, uh, sitting outside these homes. These are not poor people. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're like a host in a white group. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody in Ireland has any problem with women and child fleeing war, but that's not, what's, that's not what's happening in Ireland. Well, not all of the time, no. Some of the time, yes. But not all of the time. Like, uh, 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 is it not uh, like a direct insult to the family of Ashley Murphy and Tullamore, who are now a convent? Oh, I'm losing you there. Sorry, sorry. Have I lost you, John? Oh, okay. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to try and get those callers back. Sorry, I'm gonna have to restart that there if I can, Karen. I'm gonna have to get those callers back again. Um, a lot of people, by the way, text again. I, I'll come back to Maureen, and I'll come back to Joe. Is well, I will. Sorry, I will get you both back on the line as soon as I can, and I get John back on the line as well. If we can get all three of those back on the line, that'd be great. Um, 
I do apologise. We just had a little bit of a breakdown there for some reason. Some of your texts and WhatsApps that are coming in. I'll read out some of those just while I'm waiting. Patricia Mooney says, deport them all. Why wouldn't they just come? Why would they come over here? Free house, medical card, social welfare, wasting your time speaking about this. There will never be a change in this kip. But now, deport them all. That's a bit rough, isn't it? You know, there are people. Look, I mean, the Irish were welcomed around the world. I don't want to use the analogy because I don't think it's a fair analogy, but I'm just saying. I mean, if you're genuine and you're coming from a country where your life is in danger, I mean, you would expect another country to try to help you out somewhat. As long as you aren't a bad person and you behaved yourself, you'd expect another country to look after you. I'm not suggesting, by the way, we should be the haven for every economic migrant in the world. Uh, Just Jane on Twitter says, we are not bound legally under the Treaty of Amsterdam. Ireland has an opt-out. Well, actually, we don't because we signed a pact, according to Michal Martin and according to the government. They're the same situation, by the way. And I think, by the way, not under the Amsterdam Treaty, I think under the the Lisbon Treaty, there is an opt-out clause. That's the one that David Cameron was trying to use that time just before, of course, the vote for Brexit. Um, Gav, uh, Gav TP on Twitter says, the document below from 2018 shows the increase is not by accident, rather methodical increase by 202040. And he refers to a document that he's given there about the Future Ireland Project. Uh, Jane says, it's an absolute disgrace. Irish taxpayers paying 52% in tax and the government are doing this crap. People having to choose between heat and food in the winter. Feck Ukraine, she says. Well, that's not nice either, is it? Now, I mean, well, you wouldn't like to be living there, would you? If the bomb was going off next to you. Um, um, I'll read out some more of your comments in a few minutes. Let me get back to Kevin. If I, I lost him there, but he's back again. Sorry, Kevin. Oh, Joe, how are you doing? Oh, good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Sorry that the, the, the light... The light no, that was, no, it wasn't here. your fault, Joe. It was mine. Not at all. Um, you know, as you know, Niall, know, I mean, we've been, you've been debating this for quite a long time now, Niall. There's a lot of virtual signaling going on here now regarding the whole situation with the Ukrainian refugees. As you know yourself, um, a lot of these... Now, I'm not disputing what's going on at the moment or for the last year and a half, but I think that... Uh, there's a time and place. There, this this kind of thing where Ukrainians seem to be getting the advantage over everyone else. I think it needs to stop eventually because it's becoming a situation now where it's kind of pitting one crowd against the other. You know? Right. So, do you think it's unfair that if you're a genuine asylum seeker coming from, say, Syria or Afghanistan or whatever country it is where your life is in danger, that you're not being treated the same as somebody coming from Ukraine just because we don't see the war on the telly all the time? Exactly. And as you know, and I know, Niall, this is only all playing up to the European conglomerates, you know, because, as you know, you and I know, the, major, the three amigos who are running the, the, the asylum here at the moment, they're only looking for uh, brownie points so they can get big jobs in Europe. Mm. And they don't care. And, and as you know, and I know, they don't care about anybody. They're only interested in their own do you think, agenda. Do you, do you think they care? Well, it's bizarre to think that they wouldn't care at all. I mean, because there's an election coming up too. You know, I mean, and if they're going to start pissing people off and 75% of the population who believe, by the way, and agreed with the statement, according to Red Sea, that we've let too many refugees into Ireland, that they're going to, if they're going to disagree with that 75%, they're going to put themselves in a very dodgy situation in the next election, aren't they? Well, of course they are. But as you know, and I know, these people uh, seem to have a complex, a complex, uh, a con- um, they have a, they kind of have a, a, a complex re- uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of like think that or um, they see something be done off the paper, they think it's not the real thing. But you see, they're in a world—they're—they're they're, they're in a world of their own half the time. They're not even thinking about what's going on around the country, 
or around anywhere for that matter because you had Leo Varadkar coming out yesterday saying that he expects Fine Gael to run away with the next general election and I think, I think, I think, he's, I think he's delusional. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's obviously he is delusional because you had... Um, well, you had Mary Lou, you had Mary Lou yesterday saying that she won't be attending any uh, Republican events if she becomes the Taoiseach. Uh, so she's laying her cards on the table that she's pretty clear that she thinks she might be the next Taoiseach. Yeah, well, I remember in 2015 we had a Sinn Féin councillor here, Chris O'Leary, uh, I think was his name. He was uh, Lord Mayor of Cork. I remember the first Chris, thing yeah. he said before he became Lord Mayor was that he wouldn't wear the chain as a mark of respect to the people who died um, in the uh, War of Independence, you know, and right. that he would look out for the people of, of, of Cork. But sure, the same guy attended every event around the city and county, and he had the chain on him. So, like, I don't believe anything what politicians would say in this country, neither you know. Okay, well, we'll stay there. Let me just go back to John there, because I lost him there a few minutes ago. Sorry, John. No, you're all right. Uh, so, okay, so getting, oh, back the, to, the, getting back to what we were talking about. The question about. I posted, uh, Kelly said on Doyle Record there a few days ago that these communities that are standing up to what's going on in the country, that they should be removed from society. I wonder if I would like to go, would Gino like these people to go, like work camps? Or well, I, well I, I, I do believe there is a sense from socialist politicians, which he would be one of from people before profit, there's a, a sense that anybody who disagrees... <laughs> or anybody who won't go along with this, is some sort of kind of right-wing racist. Well, Simon Harris came on record yesterday and stated that he wants doctors to return from all over the world to Ireland. Why would he like these doctors to live? <laughs> it's all well and good asking for staff when, you, when, you, when, you, when they're completely priced out of the rental market. It's not, there's not much like, point, uh, really, is there? Like, there's four, like, according to the Freedom of Information, 1,400 that we know about undocumented uh, refugees come in between January and April of, of this year. I'd say there's a lot more than that. That's making a nation that's not or never was racist because, correctly, we did travel the world ourselves. Mm-hmm. But that's making a nation that was never racist actually racist. Like when other people come in from other countries and get preference over Irish people, that's going to... So in other words, you you believe that government policy and the way we're dealing with this situation and and denying the Irish people a voice when it comes to it is dividing people? Well, in in my opinion, for what it's worth, we're we're not dealing with Nahan. Our government isn't dealing with Nahan. They're only taking instructions from the World Economic Forum. There's been... Doing what they're told. Oh, the EU. They're, they're the master, masters in the EU. Well, I mean, I mean, Ben Scala made a good point earlier on. If the government are saying that they have no control, in other words, they're not allowed to cap the numbers, that's what, they're, that's what they're telling us, because they signed up to this pact with the EU, and the EU are the only ones that have control over that, and if they breach that, they have to pay the EU each time. Well, then essentially we're saying that we, as a country, have no control over our own borders. We don't have to do that. We can reject that. Well, according to the government, we can't. Sure. Who believes them? Plus, if they had any spine, the Polish government are, cre- are presently causing revolt with the EU because they were fined also. I think the Irish government just seems to roll over and do what they're told. Well, the Irish government are saying it. Well, the Irish government are trying to tell us it's not a fine. They said it's a donation. <laughs> but our tourist industry is basically dead. They're small rural towns that depend on tourism. People that are coming in from America and all over the world have nowhere to stay. Uh, they can't and, get a room, yeah. anywhere to stay now, it's extortionate rates. Yeah, well, 40% of, I think, hotel rooms now are taken up with, you know, refugees from all parts of the world. So uh, that, that, that's not good but for again, the tourism. Yeah. It's not good for the tourism industry. Sorry, I'm kind of just a little bit rushed for time. I need to get to Sarah and Maureen very quickly if I can. Sarah, how are you doing? 
Good. Sarah, I mean, do we differentiate when we treat people differently, be it Ukrainian refugees or, I don't know, Algerian refugees? Should, is it fair that we treat them differently? I don't think it's fair, Niall. I just think, like, now at this stage, like, 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 it's going on too long in the country and nothing seems to be happening, like, and, like, we have to accept the where it's at. Like, there's nothing that we can do anything about it because the government is not going to do anything about it. So well, just just roll over and just accept it. Just that's no, just the no, way it I is. Don't mean just roll over and accept it and just take it. Like I don't mean that mm. at all, right? As you say, people in Ukraine, right? He did come from a war zone. I a hundred percent put my hands and heart out, donate, I do anything I could for them. But then you have other people that is jealous of that, other asylum seekers coming in that have already been in the country and they're kicking up and they're getting resentful of you. But I have no problem. I, you know, Sarah, hang on for a second. I have no problem for anybody in the world. Sure, fair play to people who want a better life, right? But there are countries in this world that are better than Ireland, economically, are better than Ireland. As you know, a lot of Irish, young Irish people go to Australia or Canada because they feel that there's more possibilities for them over there and opportunities for them over there. But you have to, to go to those countries. You have to prove your worth. You have to be of value to them. You can't just wander into Canada or Australia or America, for that matter, or most countries outside the EU, you can't. Because, that's, because countries must take control of their borders. There's logical reasons for that. I mean, if you suddenly just said, okay, everyone's welcome to Ireland, it doesn't matter if you're not skilled or unskilled, well, then what will happen is we'd have loads of people coming in here working on minimum wage because they might be unskilled, working on minimum wage, and they would have to be supported by the state. We, we couldn't afford that unless we did it very slowly over time to increase our population, which Germany have done. So, I mean, it's all well and good saying people want a better life, but that's just not the way the rules work when it comes to immigration. Yeah, but then why can't the government cater for it then, like? How? But how do you you cater for all that? We don't have an endless pot of money, and we certainly don't have an endless pot of accommodation. Yeah, but now, listen, they're trying to get the farmers to kill their own crop, right? Yeah. Seriously, right? I'm thinking about this, right? I'm bringing other meat into our country, right? Yeah. Now, I know this might be a weird scenario, right? But the majority of our country now is not Irish. We're all, like, we're mixed race. 
Well, so, like, well, there's a there's a lot of people who are not Indigenous Irish. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, there's no harm in diversity. I, mean, I don't have an issue with that. I don't think anyone does. Yeah, no, nor do I. But like, I just think. Well, as long as it's done properly. But I mean, but do you, but do you not understand? Uh, and Sarah, I get what you're saying, and I'm not far away from you in my opinion, by the way. But do you understand the fears that people have? I, I just think now at this stage of the game, like, people playing tip for that. I haven't got this, and you haven't got that. You know, so you think there's a bit of begrudgery going on? Of course. And, like, you, you can understand, because that's the one the lady oh, yeah. about there. Like, you know, they're working so hard through generation, generation. And through, like, times have changed. And Ireland is sort of, like, we're, we're backwards, really. And I say we're a backward country. Like, we're way behind in the time. Well, hang on, stay there, because I want, just before I finish, I want to go to Maureen in Cork as well. How are you doing, Maureen? Hi, Niall. How are you? Now, you, you heard what Sarah said, and I, I don't inherently disagree with a lot of what she said, but she's her, her experience has been very good with refugees in her area. They're very polite and they're nice to her, and they say hello, and they'll go out of their way to help or whatever it is. And that's her experience, and she's entitled to have her experience. But she says, well, you know, it's got to happen, so we might as well just try and do it right. Yeah, no, I don't agree. I have some of them. We have some of them here too, where I am. And I'll tell you something. They certainly don't integrate. And they're far from nice. I can tell you that much. But this business of the... I'm going to use Ukrainians for now. That some of them might decide to stay here. They have no right to stay here. Well, they, they do. What they do. The Irish government they invited them. They do have a right. Uh, they, they, they invited them. They didn't invite them to stay permanently. Well, they did. And, and they, the, Ar- the Irish government they... gave them permission uh, to get a PPS number and also to get citizenship if they wanted it eventually, but they gave them permission to remain. Under the Geneva Convention, a refugee is entitled to shelter, food and water. They are not entitled to houses being built for them. And these modular homes, there's Irish people on the streets, Irish families having to stay in hotels, stay other places. They should have got these modular homes put those Ukrainians into the places that they came out of. We have busloads and busloads of single men coming into this country and there is not one busload of women and children entering this country. You're, 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 one, you're talking about those seeking international protection, of course, and I'm not going to disagree with you. The vast majority are men. Yes. What a load, that's a load of rot. International protection might be behind. They've travelled through 14 and 15 different countries through Europe to come over here. Mm-hmm. And when they come here, they can't even obey the law of the land. As far as I'm concerned, I support a lot of them. And I certainly don't want them in my area, but I'm beginning to see more and more creep in here. So when you, when you say deport a lot of them, what about people who are genuine? Well, sure, we don't know who the genuine ones are. Because, because the crowd that are supposed to be sorting all this out. Yeah, but, but no you can't... Yeah, yeah, but you, Maureen, whatever about having your opinion, and you're quite entitled to your opinion, I would never silence anybody... You're just waiting to tell your opinion. But it just seems like a very vague opinion to turn and say, deport a lot of them. I mean, there are people from Ukraine, for example, let's talk about Ukraine, who have come here where literally their town has been blown to pieces. Yeah, well, Family members killed. Sorry? The Western Ukraine is open, is open for business. 
well, the parts of it are open for business. Flying, so some of those could have gone into Western Ukraine. Yeah, but hold on. Yeah, but yeah, but there's always a fear. The war could escalate at any moment. I wouldn't like to be living in a country where there's a fear there's a bomb going to drop on my house or my village at any stage. I wouldn't like that. Would you like that for your family, Maureen? I wouldn't like it for my family, but if I was seeking, if I was taking refuge in another country, I would be going home when it was possible to go home. This is the point. So, you, so you believe they shouldn't be allowed to say? For our, for our own people, never mind anybody else. That's my opinion. And you believe they shouldn't be allowed to stay? No, they should not be allowed to stay. If they can go home, they should be sent home. And this business of moving modular homes is the greatest load of nonsense I've ever heard in all my life. Give those homes to people in need. Well, the Irish people should have got them first anyway, Niles. But you know, I think half Irish people got up off their ass and got out of the job and stopped coming off social welfare and actually put a bit of action into their life. Yes, that's another, that's another cliché, and that's more rot. It's not another cliché. There are plenty of plenty Irish people in this country working. Don't, there. don't rest don't want to get off with arses and walk. And no, that's I'm not trying to use but it's a big factor. People are going around saying they're homeless. Half of them are not homeless. They're fussy because they want a certain area or a certain place to live. People have to sacrifice. If you want that in this life, not as free in this life. The Irish are again castigated. Oh, they won't get off their ass and work. They won't do this. They won't do that. You don't know. You don't know the problems that some people have. I did work. I'm trying to get my. Hold on. I'm trying to get my disability. I am trying to get. I am going through. Why? Yeah, but I, Maureen, I know you're very angry because you can't get your disability, and I hope you do get your disability payment whenever you you need it, right? But what I'm saying is, why is that some poor Ukrainian family's fault, and why are you so angry about Ukrainians? I'm not. It's not angry about Ukrainians. Well, you did. You, told, you said a minute ago they shouldn't be allowed to stay. They should be all sent no, home. No, Niall, they're coming in here and they're getting everything above the Irish person. I live on a very, very limited amount of money. I'm sure and they I'm are too, by the way. To pay, oh, yeah, they're not living what I... Yeah, but what are they paying out of it, Niall? They're not paying out of it what I have to pay out of it. That's the problem. So now we, have, we are second-class citizens in our country because we are struggling and I'm struggling. And this business of Irish people won't get off their ass and go to work and all the rest of it, I'm sick of hearing that as well. That's been bended about for well, years. I'm sorry you're feeling like that. I am really sorry, Maureen, for your circumstances. And I wish I could help you, because I know there's thousands of people out there in the same situation. But you she, does, but she doesn't want you to help her. She wants the government She wants the government to do what they're supposed to do. I talk to people... I folks from people from different countries that actually told me what I'm entitled to in my country. I'm not educated enough. Other, most people out there are not educated in regards to taxes and what we can claim for and what we can't claim for. And these people are well educated before they get into the country. But Maureen has a point there to a certain extent, but I do strongly believe that there is a lot of people out there scrounging off social welfare, going down as homeless, where they are actually not homeless, they have a roof over their head, they're just not happy where they're living, and they're fussy in regards to where they want to but, live. But, but you have to take on board the point that she made, right? I don't agree with everything Maureen says, 
But, you know, if you were living in Cork, near Mahan in Cork, for example, and you've been on the housing list for seven or eight years, and all of a sudden this lovely €145,000, not including the land, modular home is built, with all the latest amenities and internet and heating, and you only have to pay €40, whatever it is, a week. I mean, you'd be pissed off. You'd be jealous. Particularly if you were living in a kip. I uh, know. I'm, I'm just saying. No, Sarah. I, I, I just. Can you appreciate the point she's making? I was lived for seventeen years. I'm blessed. I haven't got a mortgage, and I have my own house now. But I tell you, when I was, I was near suicidal on the corporation list. No, I know. I know. But I, no, I, I'm kind of rushing your time. But can you appreciate the point that Maureen is making? That surely, you I know. know can no. I have a letter. I got a letter in from the council yesterday. My rent's gone up again. Now, they, by right, they shouldn't be touching the rent. They should have left it at a set amount because they know the money that I'm getting in my hand. What percentage, if I can ask you, I don't want to know how much your rent is, but what percentage of your, of your weekly income is your rent? Well, I'd rather not say. Oh, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. Being, just in case. Well, no, no, the reason I wanted to ask you was because the, the, the modular homes, uh, Ukrainian families will have to pay 16% of whatever income they get. Okay, statements. Right. That's according to the Irish Examiner. Let me just, sorry. Let me just go to Norman as well, just before I wrap this up. How you doing, Norman? Not so bad, uh, Niles. How are you doing yourself? Good, Norman. Do we differentiate between different types of refugees, and is that wrong? Uh, uh, yes, to both. Yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. Um, I, I was actually just looking. I, I think I was on before, and as I said, my wife is Danish. We go there quite a lot. Yeah. And we were just looking it up, and uh, they brought in a new law especially for the Ukrainians. So they mm. can treat them definitely to other refugees, um, which they got preferential treatment. And the woman that was on there previously was right. Uh, I'd, I'd send them back home. I'd say, we're taking the same amount as, say, the UK, pro rata, or, for example, Denmark. But do you know how many Denmark has taken in? Not as many as Ireland. No. Per head of population. No, exactly. And the UK's taken in probably... The UK is actually bottom of the list. They've taken in very few. Yeah, exactly. Very few. We've probably taken so in 40 or 50 times more per head of population. Exactly, exactly. France have taken so, in very few. They put a cap on the numbers. Um, yeah. Many countries have actually more or less capped the numbers, but the Irish government has said they can't cap the numbers because uh, this is what we signed up to, allegedly. Well, apparently we're the only ones who have signed up to because the rest are doing it. Well, and some like are, said, some are, not all. But see. Well, not all, but I know, I just looked it up, that Denmark brought in a new law, especially uh, for refugees, and especially for Ukrainians, that they can be treated differently. And if Syrians come to Denmark, which they did say in 2016, remember there was a big influx. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, the families were split up, and it could take anything from three to five years for them to be reunited again. And because of, because accommodation, right? Because they didn't have the accommodation. No, 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 no. Because they didn't want them. And they could, they could use you know, the Dublin Convention or the Dublin Agreement. The Dublin Convention, that, you yeah. know, that, That's where the person lands. That's the country that has to look after them. So you can send it back to the country. The first, you can send it back to the first safe country, yes. yeah, Exactly. So Denmark used that as a pretext to splitting up the family. Uh, but I, I'm not familiar and with Denmark's situation, but I, I, I can only take face value what you're telling me. No. Uh, but, okay, but getting back to Ireland, yeah. you, you believe we've just taken in too many? Far too many. It's got silly. Okay. It, it, Denmark's taking it far less, and they don't have a housing crisis. 
You know, my kids are over there. They have no problem renting places. Yeah. Cheap and, and affordable and, and, and dependable and top quality. You know? No, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Listen, Norman, I've run out of time. Maureen, Norman, thank you very much indeed. Sarah, Joe, everybody got involved in today's show. Thank you to everybody who got involved. I have a lot to say, but I don't have the time to say it in. But we are going for a, a very difficult time in this country. You know, we have a housing and accommodation crisis that already uh, has put people in financial woe, so to speak. So, essentially, we need to do what we can for those who need us. But for those who don't need us, we need to do the right thing. And according to most people in this country, 76% of these people in, the, in this country, the people who vote for those politicians who are out there possibly listening, I don't know whether they bother because they don't listen to the people, they're hardly going to listen to me. 76% of the people who elect you told you that they don't want any more refugees in Ireland, that we have overdone it. That doesn't mean they're racist. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean they're not kind or generous. But what it means is they believe there's a limit to what we can do particularly in the middle of a housing crisis. And what they're essentially saying is, stop, take a breath, sort out the problems we have, let's come back to it in a year or two. And if in a year or two we've sorted it all out and everybody has somewhere to live and we have some spare places, let's take in a few more genuine refugees. The other thing they're concerned about is security. But the government are not listening once again. You even mention it. Mention it. And you're a racist. We have seen with international protection, the majority of those coming in are young middle-aged men. Many have no passports, no documentation. We don't even know who they are. There has been numerous counts and situations now where we've had people who are criminals coming into Ireland. I don't even know if they've been removed or not. You heard Ben Scallon talking about it earlier on. We don't know if they're, if they're gone or not because we don't follow it up. We give them a deportation order, but they don't follow it up. The vast amount of those who are coming in, or a large amount of those coming in, are not genuine refugees. If they are genuine refugees, we should support and help them in any way we possibly can. We should be doing better for them. And we could do better for them if we, didn't, if we weren't looking after economic migrants as well. Ireland cannot be a stop-off point for economic migrants. We're a small country with a small economy. And not only that, we have a big problem. If your government are telling you that they have no control over the borders, in other words, that the EU have decided that we cannot stop letting refugees into Ireland, we have lost our sovereignty. We have no control over our own borders. Is that what they're telling you? Because if that's what the government are saying, that they have signed up to this and we can't stop or we're not allowed to stop without paying some sort of penalty, well, then essentially our own government have told you that they have no control over our own borders. It's a free-for-all. Anyway, if you have any thoughts... On the conversation we've had today, all you've got to do is text or WhatsApp on 85 100 That's 85 100 I'll be back at you again tomorrow at 12. Don't forget, by the way, you can download today's show in about an hour's time. It'll be up online on nileboylan.com. You can also get it on Spotify and all the usual places. If you want to watch it back, you can go to the website, nileboylan.com, by the way. You can watch the video there on the website. We will put a few clips up on Twitter. And by the way, don't forget as well, if you want to watch the whole video straight after the show, we will put it up on Twitter, but in the subscription section. That's not mean, by the way. We still let you watch the whole show for free live every single day. We're not going to stop doing that. If you want to, you can subscribe on the Twitter button. If you're watching on Twitter right now, just live up there. Click the subscribe button. It's the price of a pint every single month. That's all it is. It's like buying me a pint just for doing a good show.
I deserve that, don't I? All you got to do is click that button, subscribe, and you we, every day we'll put the show up there for subscribers only. Also, you can go to the website and subscribe as well, nileboylan.com, and we put them up there as well. If you don't want to do it on Twitter, you can do it on the website, nileboylan.com, and we put them into the videos into a subscriber section there too. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 12. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. 